Hi, everybody. This is Charlie from Thriving School Community Podcast. I have Bhavna Sharma Lewis today. Oh my goodness gracious. We are going to talk about some really great ideas for improving the school mental health system. And I would love for you to just please introduce yourself and then give us a little bit, bit of a background so people understand your lens. Hi, Charlie. Great to see you. Thank you so much for inviting me on this. It is absolutely my honor and privilege uh, to have this opportunity. Bhavna Sharma Lewis. I'm the superintendent of Diamond Lake District 76, which is in Mundelein, Illinois, about 40 miles north of Chicago in Lake County. We are a three school district, um, pre-K through eight uh, on two campuses. And so we have grade level centers. Um, we have about I love it because it has such a rich and robust cultural as well as socioeconomical uh, diversity. About 70% of our students are Hispanic, and then we have about 20% of our students who are white and 10% who are Black, Asian, or multiracial. And then I always say it's super unique because we have probably like an 80-20, 80% low income, and then 20% um, of people that provide 80% of our tax base. That's kind of how I describe it, that 80% of our students um, provide 20% of our back tax base and 20% of our students provide 80% of our tax base without getting into like the statistics of it all. They feed into two high schools, Stevenson and Mundelein, and same kind of ratio, 80% go to Mundelein and 20% go to Stevenson. This is my 31st year in education. I have been a superintendent for 13 years uh, a central office administrator, a principal for 10 years, uh, a classroom teacher, as well as an assistant principal. So I have been um, from the classroom all the way up to the boardroom with my lens of experience, and I'm excited to be here. I am so glad to have that lens because or that you have that lens. I don't have that lens. Um, and it's important that you're Dr. Dr. Sharma Lewis. I think everybody needs to understand that we earn that, right? Um, I have not gotten my doctorate. And especially when women earn that, <laughs> we need to always call that out. So I should have introduced you with that title. No you're problem. so humble. You're so humble. You wouldn't even call me out on that. But I nope, never. <laughs> Thank I, you. Yes. Well, and okay. So, and I think what's so important there is the richness of the insight that you will provide us today. That's what's important. What I love, um, Bhavna, is that it sounds like it's a great benefit to be a superintendent of a small kind of diverse school community where you have a lot of, of kids and in, in populations where you can lean on each other to learn and, and kind of grow. Is that true? Is there truth to that? Oh, absolutely. I feel like every single day is different. Every single student is different. Every single adult that we work with is different. And, you know, I, I explained a little bit of our challenges and celebrations when I described my district, but the part that I love about my district so much is the staff who um, work there, work there for a long time because they are so committed. They know the needs of our, of our district and our community and our kids and their families. And they're really, really willing to just dive all in to be um, that supportive base, not only in the academic environment, but also, also the social emotional learning environment. Wow. That's so important that you said that. So under, I have to write that down. So I don't forget to quote that because understanding the needs is is that's how we all thrive truly when we understand each other's needs and then learn to support each other's needs. So let's, let's talk about that. How do you learn to find out what the individual needs of kids are in a way, this is so loaded in a way that you can communicate to their, to the people working with them 
to help them meet their needs. So how do you find out what those needs are firstly? And then how do you support staff in meeting those needs? We really put an intentional effort um, on this, by the way, great question, in during COVID. And I think we always knew that we had these social emotional needs, but they were always, but they, during COVID when we didn't have our students and then we were just focused on looking at them through a computer lens, um, we said, you know what, there's got to be more to this. Some of our kids wouldn't turn on their cameras. Some of them, you know, would just sit in the dark. Some of them had just complete chaos in their backgrounds, you know, and then we were wondering why they weren't getting their homework done or weren't signing in. So what we started two things that were pretty critical during COVID is we created a position that we used with our um, ESSER dollars is called a community family liaison. And this person was completely devoted to really just supporting the needs of our students and their families during COVID. But, you know, I'm very proud and um, excited to share that this person, this person and position still exist. And it's in our district going on year four. And so, um, and we have the, you know, the board as well as the community support, but this person pretty much, it was just an organic job that said, all right, what do our kids and their families needs? Some of them needed help academically. Some of them needed desks and chairs in their, in their, in their homes because they didn't have that kind of environment set up to learn. Some of them needed help with, you know, just getting Wi-Fi and internet access. Some of them needed hygiene help and, you know, resources to household goods and access to food because a lot of their families worked in a restaurant environment and those restaurants, as you know, were shut down. And so they weren't getting any income coming in. So we kind of just helped in, you know, a 360 kind of way, whatever you need, the school and the community are here. And we were kind of their access um, to that. And I think that just then kind of built, uh, like you said, the social emotional needs. How do we find out? We do a survey on each of our students, a student needs survey. So the teachers most uh, specifically, and probably they're the ones that give us most of our information and data, our social workers, as well as our principals, they say, all right, here's a student that we have. He or she may need these kind of, you know, may or may need these kind of resources. Our community liaison, you know, compiles all that data and then reaches out individually to those families. And sometimes we use the help of our school office uh, associates who are our receptionists and kind of reach out to them. The majority of our families um, speak Spanish. So we have a lot of Spanish translators or, you know, native language, native Spanish language speakers that will reach out to those families and kind of communicate with them. And then the second thing we do is um, that we've made a concentrated effort on is every child has an adult in the building now that they're back in person that they can connect with, right? That they know them by name, by need, and by strength. And we've made that a district priority, and we're going to continue to put more of an intentional effort on that and add that to our strategic plan going forward so that... Every adult has anywhere from six to eight children, sometimes 10, depending on the caseload of just, you know, you don't have to see them individually, but you just check in with them knowing that, okay, here are the student's name. So we know everybody by name. Here's maybe what some of their needs are and here's some of their strengths. So we can definitely not only just focus on their deficits, but also focus on the strengths and the opportunities that um, they would be able to benefit from. Oh my goodness. There's so much there as a therapist. <laughs> like, of course we start with their strengths. Uh, of course we talk about their needs. And then when you attach an adult in the building to a kid, nobody gets left behind. Is that working well? 
It's working great. Is it perfect? Of course not. Because, you know, like we said, you know, every day there is a different situation. Every day there's a different need. Our world is changing. Our community is changing. So it's working out really well. We try to stay on top of it. And as you know, there's, you know, a teacher and a related services shortage in our schools. So we make the best with what we have. And, you know, we just problem solve and triage um, any situation that comes up. And I love this about our district that it doesn't matter the title that you have. It's about the people that are around you. So everybody kind of rolls up their sleeves at, regardless of the position that they're in to support and help in any way that they can. Yeah, I love that position that you all created organically based on what the need was at the time. And that is what's so powerful. How, like, what qualifications does that person have? The community liaison? Is that who? That's the role? Yeah. Yes, it's so interesting. I, I don't have the job description in front of me, but honestly, just somebody that wants to serve, has a big heart, um, is resourceful, and can take an initiative, right? Because we didn't have any parameters for this. This person really started, and you know, I had said to her, All right, we're gonna let's put together a survey. We don't even know what these needs are. Right now, we've got maybe 10 kids we can identify that don't have internet access and need to have it, you know, in order to do remote learning. So let's start there and then let's put out a survey. And then we found out, you know what? These families need access to food. So we started reaching out to some of the local organizations for food drives, you know, and mobile food drives that would come into our district as well as reaching out. Some of these families don't have access to like household supplies and hygiene items. So we kind of, you know, reached out to some of our county um, organizations and said, how can we get these? How can we access these? We worked and partnered with our high school. So we have a um, center, it's called the Welcome Center, that our district, as well as the other elementary district that feeds into Mundelein High School, um, put together and everything is donated and it's all run by volunteers mm -hmm. of just clothing, some canned goods, household items, hygiene items, toys during the holidays, um, just things where people can come in shop. Um, and just recently, as you know, you know, the past year has brought a lot of um, Ukrainian families um, into our communities. So people that just need survival things until they get on their own feet coming from, you know, a war torn war torn country. And so um, they're just proud. Sometimes items to go for a job interview. So people donate suits and dresses, you know, so people can, you know, actually have nice clothes to go to a job interview. They'll come there and they'll grab that. But again, it's just, it's grown and, you know, the our community liaison has such great connection and relationships with our families, as well as we've trained our office staff since they're the first point of contact, that if they see or hear something from our families that they need help with, they put um, our community liaison right in touch with them. And then she reaches out and says, okay, I hear you need help with you know, this resource. Have you talked to this person? Or I'm going to connect you to this person, or I'm going to have, you know, set up a conference with the teacher. Whatever that is, you know, that person really just is the bridge between the whole homeschool partnership. I mean, it sounds like everybody plays a role and everybody does have a heart to play the role. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And they're empowered too. You know, they don't have to check, okay. you know, secretary doesn't have to check with the principal to make sure it's okay to do this. I mean, they're empowered to make sure that all of our kids feel safe and feel welcome and that they belong in our district. Okay. Let's go to that because that is super important that you said that. Yeah. Now. Because that, okay, let's break that down because if we are, if we're listening to a superintendent right now, a superintendent's listening or a district leader or a principal who wants to initiate something like this, it sounds very scary to say, hey, you don't have to check with me. You don't have to check with me. 
You, you have the power to make a decision like that. So let's break that down. First of all, how do you establish a, a program like that? And then, then what would they actually do to take the next step in supporting that family, not needing that assistance? Does that make sense? It does. And, you know, I just want to hit on the word that you said is program. And I don't know, Charlie, if it's so much of a program as it is as much of a culture that you create, right? You create an environment where people and kids come first. And, you know, I try to lead by example, leading with heart, leading with love and making sure people know that they feel valued and they're appreciated and they're recognized. And not that we all are perfect, but if mistakes are made, there's a process that we go through and we talk about it. But I think from the very beginning, we know the community that we work in. People choose to stay there and work. They're not going to come here and be like, oh, this is not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, they come to our district, like I said earlier, to work and to serve and to um, be in a loving, caring culture and environment. And they want to work with our families that need and support them. And so I think that people that are there really want to be there. They want to help. They want to support. And I think, like I said, we've just created an environment and we respond immediately. We've created an an environment where we are responsive to their needs. It's not like, okay, yeah, we'll get back to you tomorrow that you need food. We don't have time, you know, kids don't get a a second chance to, you know, repeat a grade or to get a chance to read again, or if there's trauma in their home for any one of us to help or intervene. I think we just say there's no tolerance for that. You know, everything is urgent in the sense of, you know, kids safety. And so I think that's just the culture we've created as well as our own safety as adults. And so I think people, again, it's over time. This is my eighth year in our district. So it just doesn't happen overnight. It's something that you just continue have to walk the walk and talk the talk and be consistent, build those relationships and lead by example. Okay. So then if somebody's working for a larger a larger community, a larger, there's many more schools. How do you roll something like this out to shift the culture of the entire school culture, right? That whole district that's a lot bigger. Yeah. And I, you know, and I have dear friends that are in larger districts. My own kids went to a school district where again, my dear friend, Tony Sanders was the superintendent and he created this environment where there's, you know, 50,000 kids, you know, over 50 schools. And I think, again, it starts at the top. It's your expectations, having those high expectations of people and kids come first and not just saying that and not just putting that on paper. Our mission and our vision and our mantra is embrace, empower, excel each child each day. That's it. Everybody should know what that means. And it could mean something different to every single person. But like when I interview, do the final interviews for the for the staff and whether that is a, a certified teaching position, a learning associate, which is, you know, a, a teacher's aide, our cafeteria, our food service people, our maintenance staff, whoever that person is that's getting a job in our district, I make sure I interview them. And it's not just a formality. I really want to get to know them. I've probably turned down maybe two or 3% of people, but when they get to me, they've gone through that rigorous hiring process. But the last question I ask them is, you know, behind me, not today, but usually when I'm in my conference room, it says embrace empower Excel each child, each day on our conference room wall. This is our district mantra. What does it mean to you? And I make, and there's no right or wrong answer, but you can tell if someone's being authentic and genuine and really are leading from the heart and have people and kids at the forefront of their decision-making. Okay. So then you, so it definitely starts with the hiring. I get that. Yeah. So other people will have 
challenges that come up in their lives to maybe get them off of track, right? To get them off track in in leading that leading as an educator in either their building or whatever the role there is to follow that mantra, right? So we get disheartened. We we have our own struggles. So what would you do to kind of bring somebody back on track if you're seeing that they're not really aligning to that the way that you're hoping for? And, you know, like I said earlier, our district is not perfect. We've gone through a lot of um, ups and downs, a lot of challenges, a lot of celebrations, but really just what I do with my leadership team and then my leadership team does with their own building leadership teams is doing those consistent 100-day progress monitoring checkups. How are we doing? Are we aligning to our vision and our goals? Um, Are our priorities in place? You know, is what we set out to do in August still holding true in November, still holding true in January, still holding true in May? And then we start the year kind of just doing a refresh. And I think we do that consistently, just like we progress monitor our kids. You know, we do it every two, four, six weeks of how they're doing when they're on an intervention, you know, with learning or with SEL or, or, you know, any other type of uh, support that they need. We do the same things with ourselves with the adults in the building. And I think knowing that there's that checkpoint, we can quickly recalibrate if there's an issue or we can continue to keep doing things and strengthening things that are working well. But it's also a point of accountability and high expectations. And I think when people know that, that there is someone holding them accountable and the expectations are high um, and they're consistent. You know, it's not like we have one set of rules for one school or one group of adults. We have them for everybody. And we don't make excuses of like, oh, well, their family's not involved or, oh, they can't because English isn't spoken in the home or they don't have access to resources. We take those excuses out and all of us, you know, have an equal say in what they're doing. And like I said, if something's not working, we stop, we continue, start, stop, continue it, stop it, start it, recheck it. How do we recalibrate and kind of address the issue? Okay. So I think some people have been afraid of the whole accountability piece, because if you have somebody that is you know, not excited to teach or not excited to show up and they're having issues, like I kind of mentioned before. And then you say, well, we need to hold them accountable and raise their expectations. I love that you parallel that with what we do with our kids because we are the leaders and then we are going to struggle, but it's okay to be accountable, right? It's a, so how do you kind of have that language with, with people who kind of have a negativity towards, well, I'm not doing this. This is a system issue. This is a system problem. I have nothing that I can do about it and I don't want to be a part of it. How do you address those? Because I hear that so much, Bhavna. I hear it so much. And I think, again, you know, Charlie, twofold, it's the culture that you create and the people that you hire. And I'm not saying, like I said, our organization is perfect. There are, you know, the surveys that we give out, there is a 98%. So there's one or 2% of our people that may not buy in or may not feel supported or may not feel like this is working for them. But you know what? Everything in life is a choice. And so we're not changing. If 98% of the organization feels and does things this way, you know, if you're unhappy or if you feel, you know, burnt out, or if you feel like you can't meet the needs of our students, then let's have a serious conversation. And we're completely transparent about that, you know, from the leadership team down, like we are just, and we've set that up within their teams with their own professional learning communities of, if you're feeling frustrated, if you're not feeling successful, if you're not feeling this is the right place for you, let's help. Let's let's get out. And we have a 92% retention rate. Wow. So, you know, there, are, like I said, we're not perfect. There are people that come in and out, but they quickly realize this is the place for me or this isn't the place for me. In fact, I just had an interview with someone. She's moving here from out of state. So it was a Zoom call and it was a final interview. 
And I asked her why she was interested in our district. And, you know, I always encourage them to look at our, our statistics and our data on our website. And she said, I did that. And this is exactly what I want. You know, I grew up in the area, so I know, um, but she didn't grow up in our area. She grew up 15 minutes away, which is a very different, very different demographic. And um, I just said, okay, you know, as long as you know, you're coming in with eyes wide, your eyes wide open that you're going to work here. You're going to love every minute that you're working here, but it's very different. You're going to have to come up with things on your own. You're going to have to hear things that, you know, aren't very pleasant all the time. You're going to have to work with situations that aren't pretty. Are you going to be okay with that? And I think those are the kind of people that we hire, the people that are committed and devoted and really want the challenges, want to celebrate the diversity and want to work in a positive, healthy climate and culture. Well, that's what kind of went in my mind when I was hearing you talk, because I think it's really important to say that even though those expectations are high, whatever whatever that means, because we need that, right? We need that for our kids and for the adults around our kids, supporting kids. It sounds like your approach and your leadership team is very loving. Like, I don't know how the, that word keeps popping up in my mind in a, in a professional way. Like a con- there's a genuine concern for everybody's well-being as a full community. And I think that radiates that I just, and I would love for you to respond. I know you have something you, you'd like to respond with. It's so powerful. I love it. Well, I love that four letter word is love, right? I mean, that's exactly the foundation of all of our work. And it starts with our board. You know, our board of education is a phenomenal group of seven volunteers who, you know, run, who ran for this position. They choose to live in our community. They want to make the district the best it can be. They give me the support um, and the autonomy and have confidence and faith in me to be the best leader that I can be. And then also hire the best people um, and support them. We're not the highest paid district, but we definitely have a lot of resources and support and autonomy. And I think that's the part that's just so amazing that like, we know what works. And I love that our board is like, you know, we have jobs, you do your job and just come back and let us know when you need help. And then just come back and share your progress or come back when things aren't working. You know, we don't want any surprises. So we love that kind of freedom, but it's more than just freedom. It's like latitude to make or the educators, the latitude to make those tough decisions um, or use our resources where we can. But again, hiring the right people. We are not all like-minded, but we all are moving in the same direction of leading with heart, making sure people are at the center of our decision-making, students come first, um, and high expectations for ourselves and each other. We hold each other accountable. Again, you know, there's nine of us and some of us, you know, a few of us can get off track, at different times of the year, at different times of the month. And I love that we've built this internal system of accountability, like, hey, we've decided on these rules and norms, not only for ourselves, but for our district. You may or may not be, you know, achieving or attaining those norms. What's going on? Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like that reflection and that look in the mirror that somebody holds up and you're like, oh yeah, you're right. Um, and we've had, you know, tr- you know, like I said, transition out. And sometimes people moved because, you know, there was something bigger or better. Um, a promotion or a a career change or whatever that is, but we really do our job, you know, the due diligence before, um, I always say, you know, hire slow, but fire fast. Mm, Yeah. Yes. I think some people can really appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. 
So what I also love about the accountability piece is that's what is frustrating a lot of teachers. They actually want to hold other people accountable, their kids accountable. Um, I think they they hear a lot about behaviors, quote unquote, showing up because we know that that's a symptom of the problem, not the actual problem, right? And And I think when they don't feel heard or there's nothing to do to address that, that's where a lot of that frustration is coming. So you say that you address those things immediately. What might that look like in a school where there's a kid who acts out or maybe threatens a teacher or there's a there's a threat or a safety issue? How do, would you address that? Well, you know, the latter part, I'll just answer real quickly. Like we have no tolerance for threatening of a teacher or another student's safety or well-being. I mean, there is absolutely no tolerance in that. We have a really strong partnership with our law enforcement. So, you know, we will call them. We will have them to come intervene and support as much as possible. We call the families right away and kind of let them know if there's something to that extreme. But I think, you know, from the ground floor, we have a... um, PBIS committee at each building, which is the positive behavior interventions and supports. We have a district-wide SEL committee. And so we do monthly parent universities. We do weekly teacher universities of things that, of tips, whether that's something internal or that's something that one of our leadership team, you know, a link of, you know, a podcast or a, you know, a YouTube video or some type of an educational thing, we'll put that on there just so we can stay current with that. But I think the most important thing is that teachers are involved, you know, at a committee level on the on a day-to-day basis. They have a voice, they have ownership in how we are addressing the issue. And then there's that continuous communication. So if a kid, let's just say, traditionally gets sent down to the principal's office or to the social workers social workers' office, and there's a problem, we always circle back with the teacher or the teachers on that on that student's team and let them know this is what happened. This is why it happened. Here's the follow-up. The student will be returning or won't be returning, or this is what we're doing, you know, ongoing support. And I just, I think, love that transparent and continuous communication and consistent communication. I think that's where the biggest breakdowns come from. If sometimes the teachers don't know what the leadership team's doing or the support staff's doing or the related services team is doing, I feel like we are all on the same page with that. And, you know, it looks very different at our primary building than it does at our middle school. Um, But I think the systems are in place of the communication, the trust, um, and then the consistency. Oh my goodness. It's so important. I mean, I love that you say that you actually circle back to the teacher and let them know what's going on. I know there's confidentiality issues there. We get, we understand that, but that is what happens. There's a a break in the link there that that's not communicated back. And so there's a, a mistrust then. And if there's mistrust, you've broken what you're trying to do in that culture building, aren't you? Absolutely. And one of the things I want to share, and it's something easy, you know, especially for people that are listening, um, and we just started doing this this year, was um, at the middle school, is are these positive behavior assemblies. And they are at the last Friday of each month. And I have seen just in a year, the suspension rate go down from 45 kids being suspended last year to five. And I know we asked kids, we said, why do you think this is? They actually... Our student ambassadors, um, they pick the theme and the topics and the speakers of each of those assemblies, and they kind of together with the principals and the teachers and, you know, make that happen. 
but they presented to our board of education a few months back. And they actually even presented at a conference a few months back and presented all the data and how, you know, what their role is as student ambassadors and why they're proud of their school and just the opportunities that they have for voice and choice and ownership and leadership. And we shared that suspension data or the discipline data. And somebody had asked, why do you think those numbers dropped? You know, and this was completely unrehearsed, which I loved because it was so authentic. One of the students says, well, now the students are looking for attention in a positive way. They want to get recognized at those assemblies and get called down for being a great student or a great friend or a great character or some type of a service project they did, as opposed to going down to the office for a not so good reason. And I think it's become contagious. I think it's become the popular thing to do is to like be at that assembly, get your name called out, and then, you know, get recognized by your peers and by your teachers. And um, then they do these grade level challenges, you know, who has the least amount of behavior referrals, who has the highest, you know, academic gains, and then they get some type of a a quarterly challenge, you know, a, a quarterly reward for that challenge. So like, for example, this Friday, the sixth graders won and they get to go to the nature park and have a picnic. And that's something that they pick to do, you know? And so I love that. And just one real quick, funny story. We have this this bullying hotline. And one of the principals told me yesterday that the eighth graders left a message on the bullying hotline saying it was unfair that the sixth graders got to win this prize because really it was the eighth graders that should have won it and they've got data to prove it. And they think that the principals were blaming them. So it was really <laughs> funny, but I'm like, gosh, that's really resourceful. Yes. So really resourceful that they yeah. felt like, you know, cause they knew they would get hurt if they called on the bullying line. So it was just that's so right. funny. That is so neat. I love it. I love it. Wow. And I think it would be really nice to do an entire episode on that bullying hotline and separately on those positive behavior assemblies that you do. I think that those are two really valuable things. We've got to follow up on those. We've got to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would love to invite my principals, um, you know, on this podcast with me and they can just kind of share some of the things and even the kids. I mean, I think that's what I love about it is that the kids just take pride in ownership you know, and they, I love, cause one of the questions we asked them on our surveys, again, we can talk about this at a different time, but we, you know, we give uh, a SEL survey twice a year to all of our kids. Do I like coming to school? You know, over 90% of them said yes. Wow. So over that, 90% say yes. 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 I would love to see, um, I would love to see those survey. I mean, not that you have to share them with me, but I would, sure. I would, yeah, I would love to see that. And then other questions around that and, and everything. And I know that you're, you're the, the leaders, the mental health professionals, the SEL, the PBIS people, clearly they've worked together to create a, a system, a system to pull kids in instead of push them out. Yes. And I want to tell you, you know, we are not at all um, super resourced. We have a social worker in each of our buildings. But this year, we did not have a social worker um, at our one of our intermediate schools. And we had a student teacher social worker um, at our middle school. So the middle school so- social worker and that student teacher did everything in their power to work with that intermediate school. Um, mm-hmm. And we were down. So it's not like we have an abundance of resources. And that's why our data is so great. Um, because on a day-to-day basis, like I said, we have our we have our issues, we have our problems, we have our struggles, but we have going back to those good hires, people that are committed and will do anything possible, you know, to support our kids and their families and to support each other, quite frankly. 
Well, I hear it. I can tell even by this short time. And actually, Dr. Don Parker, he's the one who connected us. And he raved about the work that he did in, in your uh, in your district. He loved it. And I could tell from that, I was like, wow, that's really fascinating. And that's when you and I reached out. And I'm like, wow. And you can hear it. You can just you can just feel that it's there's expectations, there's accountability. We're all here to do a job to support these kids, but we've got each other's back. And that is something that has to develop over time. So let's end like this because I, I could keep you here for hours. Let's end like this. What is one thing that somebody could do in a leadership position that could start making even incremental changes now to start making that 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 wave of change that needs to happen today for that culture shift? Wow, that's a good question. And for our listeners and viewers out there, Charlie did not send this to me. So I'm going to think. It's a hard question. It is. It's big. I don't, honestly, you have to just be your authentic self. I think people know when you're being genuine, when you're being honest, um, when you have a high sense of integrity, when you're there for the right reasons, I think that's when the true culture happens. Um, leading by example, doing what you say, saying what you're going to do, have a clear vision of where you want to take the district to be. Eight years ago, I was in a very different situation than I'm in right now. When I came into the district, there was no trust between the administrators and the board and the board and the staff and you know all around. We worked 22 months without a contract. So I think um, a teacher's contract that is. So I think just um, stopping and saying, all right, this is what does everybody want, right? Like getting all these people sitting at the table. And that means any, everybody from the boardroom to the classroom is sitting down at a table. We have equal representation. We have equal voices. Titles don't matter. Positions don't matter. What's working really well that we want to continue to do. What are things that we want to start doing? And what are things that we want to stop doing? getting all those things together, getting people to agree on them, knowing that the foundation is love and support and mutual respect, and then building that vision together. And then all of you are the examples. You are definitely a superintendent, you know, leader of that ship. But in order for people to follow, you constantly have to turn around and make sure that people are on board and, you know, on the same page as you, and they have a clear understanding of the direction that you're going in. If things aren't working, stop, change, you know, redirect, recalibrate, and then just continue to build upon all the successes that you're doing together, recognize people, support people, value people, most importantly, love them and create that safe working, teaching and learning environment, not only for the adults, but for the kids. Because if the kids feel, excuse me, the adults feel that they're loved and supported and respected and recognized in value, they're going to do the exact same for the kids. And so um, that's how kids learn is that when the adults feel good about themselves, then they can make the kids feel good about themselves. And it's just, again, a circular process. It starts with our board through the hiring the right superintendent, the superintendent having a clear vision, bringing their leadership team and their staff and their kids along with them. And a key word is with them um, and not ahead of them. Oh my goodness. I love it. I love all of it. I mean, truly, I would, I would like to work there. <laughs> are you hiring? <laughs> we are always looking for amazing people to come and add to our sparkle. I know. Yeah. Tell people quickly about the sparkle. I see that. I see that hashtag. I love it. Tell people quickly about that. Well, Diamond Lake is, you know, 
a diamond, a diamond in the rough is, you know, when I was hired, but you know, it's truly, there is an actual lake called diamond lake. So we just basically capitalized, um, on that name and branded it because we knew that we sparkled. We knew we had a lot of positive things to share, um, and be proud of. And the more we just kind of celebrated that and brought the sparkle about, and again, it's a mindset, right? We don't, I don't walk around throwing glitter in the air. I don't walk around with the magic wand and waving it and expecting people to do this. It's truly something that's built again, organically through their culture, making people have a sense of pride, love, and ownership of where they work. And it just, it stuck. It really stuck. Yeah, it's great. Yes, for anybody listening, I found it on Twitter. Is it in other area in other social medias? It's on Twitter, which is really the only thing I'm on. Our so communications person does an excellent job of Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for our district. So it's on all over. We won a couple of things through um the National Association of School Communications. I can't remember the, the exact title, but anyway, for our digital media and for Sparkle On, it's just it's taken off and it's wonderful. And it's really just become our brand. And I'm just so proud to be the leader of that. Yes. It's, it's adorable. I love it. It's exciting. It's, it's powerful more than anything. It represents so many things. So, and, and I will honor your time here and we'll wrap up, but thank you so much. I really appreciate Bhavna, you coming in and sharing all that insight in just such a short period of time. Seriously. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I am so grateful to you for inviting me. And I'm grateful for Don for connecting us. That was really, you know, thoughtful of him to do that. I'm so glad we were able to have this time together. And I hope even if one person walks away with one idea, um, you know, that has given me purpose. So thank you. Yes. And if somebody wants to connect with you, can they, can they reach out to you? Absolutely. Um, my email, I think you have all my contact information, but it's at B Sharma Lewis is my Twitter handle. And then if you go on dis76.org, um, that's our website. All of my contact information is on there. I would love it. I would love to connect with anyone who wants, wants to reach out. And I feel like it's always a mutually beneficial relationship. So I'm sure there's much I can learn from you. Yes. Great way to put it. Thank you. Thank you all so much. And thank you guys so much for being here for another episode. I appreciate that. Please share this out with other leaders that you work with because it it's a gem. It really, it's a diamond. <laughs> it's a diamond. And sparkle on. <laughs> sparkle on for real. Share with people that you know will take um, a lot of messaging from it. So thank you everybody. And thank you again, Bhavna. I appreciate it so much. Thanks, Charlie. Have a great day, everybody.